your source for all things Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks. With your hosts, Jordan Linscott, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Kevin Musto. You're listening to the Stickblade Podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of the Sick Blade Podcast. It's a Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks Red Rivals podcast. We cover all things Detroit Red Wings, all things Chicago Blackhawks, and just general news around the NHL. Uh, Tonight's schedule, a lot going on around the league. World Juniors just wrapped up, so we're going to cover that. Uh, Peter Laviolette getting let go from the Nashville Predators organization. That's going on around the league. And then obviously, like we always do every week, we're covering the Hawks, we're covering the Wings. On specifics for the Wings front, Phillips Zidina continuing to just put on great performance night after night, really coming into his own. And also the third and fourth lines of NHL team, the Detroit Red Wings, really actually starting to show up on the scoreboard. And shocker, they're actually having close games. Um, also, with the LaViolette sign, it sort of brings up the question that I think we're going to talk about for a little bit. How much longer does Jeff Blaschel really have in the coaching spot in Detroit? Is Detroit going to hold on to him for the rest of the season? Are they going to do a mid-season firing and just let somebody else take over? Also, rumors about Andreas Athanasiu being let go in a trade to somebody. Um, reports coming out, basically, he's sort of the odd man out for Detroit right now. Um, not particularly having a great year, so on the trading block potentially for Detroit, just talking about what we could get for him, what he might be worth. And then also, we're going to talk about the World Juniors a little bit later in the episode, but for the Red Wings in specific, we're going to be talking about Moritz Sider because he had a fantastic tournament at the World Juniors this year. And then when we move over to the Hawks front, uh, Dylan Secura getting his first NHL goal ever against the Detroit Red Wings when the two teams matched up. So awesome for him. Um... A little bit of, I guess, a discussion surrounding the goalie uh, tandem in Chicago. I mean, Leonard's going to be due for a contract this coming year, and Crawford will as well. So we're going to talk about just what does Chicago's goaltending tandem look like after this season wraps up. Um, also, Drake Kajula back for the Hawks, and Dylan Strom injury day-to-day. So a little bit to talk about there. And then... Also, after we do all that discussion, we'll be doing our flashback, the flash forward. We talk about the weeks that were and the weeks that are going to be for the Blackhawks and the Red Wings. And then finally, we're going to be covering, I guess we'll call the midseason awards for the league. We're going to do a Norris Trophy, a Vesna, a Hart, a Calder, and then a Jack Adams Trophy. And we're going to award them to teams and players around the league. And with that being all said... I'm your host, Jordan Linscott, and tonight I'll be joined by my co-hosts, David Barnhouse, Kevin Mousteau, and Nick LePage. So guys, let's go ahead and just jump right into this podcast. Um, first, let's talk about the Wings for a moment. Uh, Philip Zedina starting to really impress and grow into his own this offseason. Um, we saw it this past week, and particularly the Blackhawks and Red Wings game, just getting that beautiful snipe in the top corner. Um David, you've probably been watching him pretty close like I have. What's been, I guess, your biggest point for him to be growing this season? Um, I really think he's starting to get that confidence 
that we've been talking about that he needs to have. I think he is a player that thrives on um, confidence and momentum, and he's starting to feel like fit into a groove. Like, yeah, he scored that amazing snipe against the Blackhawks, and then a couple nights later, he scores the game winner against the team that was projected to draft him third overall. And I think the biggest standout is he's not playing on a line right now with the big names, Bertuzzi and Larkin. I mean, Ernie assisted his goal. So he is shining um, on his own, really, without having the stars kind of lift him up, which is what gets me more excited about his growth, is that he's becoming a player that might just be able to carry the game and not have to have like people carrying him. Yeah, David, I agree with your point, too, with the confidence growing in Philip Zadina. He just looks the part now. He's out there just – he's taking shots that – he's finally feeling confident taking he's taking those chances and that's what you want to see out of development for Zadina because this is he's starting to blossom into the guy that who was drafted at number six overall and I'm glad because now we won't hear Zadina as a bust anymore god I'm sick of people saying that crap but the thing with like the the game winner goal like I watched the highlight over and over and the second Ernie started to skate towards like behind the net Zadina slammed his stick against the ice calling for the pass like he wanted to be the one to put it in he was waiting for it i think that was what really impressed me the most about not just that play but just that goal in general the fact that zadina had like the mental awareness of that there's about to be a fight on the boards i need to call for this pass right now while i have this brief opening and he completely capitalized on it that is a fantastic read and to be able to do that and he's not even 20 years old yet god yeah, I mean, going going to the goal he scored against the Blackhawks, the room for error was very minimal. I mean, that he picked a top right corner and or short side, so it was a very minimal room for error, and he buried that thing. So it's he is turning into a sniper and this pure goal score that everybody talked about. And he's got a shot on him, man. The other thing. Uh that I think I kind of want to touch on for a second this week, particularly uh, Detroit's third and fourth lines are finally starting to contribute offense. Um, This first half of the season has been really rough for Detroit, particularly because of the fact that they haven't had depth scoring. I mean, you look at the game against Montreal. They had this last week. Franz Nielsen got two goals and that matters. You look at the game versus Chicago, I mean, technically that was Luke Glenn Denning's goal. It's kind of a weird bounce, but it's the fact that when you get scoring through the depth of your lineup, you get a lot closer games, and we're starting to really see this with Detroit. Yeah. I mean, earlier in the season we were getting when we'd lose, it would either be a close game or like a 5-2 to two game. But now that our bottom lines are starting to kind of click, the games that we're losing, we're still losing a lot of games, but they're a lot closer. Um. I mentioned the uh, the Peter Laviolette firing. Uh, also, another topic this week, um, Jeff Blaschel. I mean, Peter Laviolette got let go from the Nashville Predators organization, right? And so anybody who hasn't really been following the Predators recently, I mean, they made it to the Stanley Cup Finals underneath him. They've made the playoffs, I believe. I, I can't remember. if They've made it every year underneath him, correct? I think so. Yes, they have. And they've been like big threat every year with him Mm -hmm. like i don't i don't know how detroit 
necessarily looks at Blashill as a coach at this point. I mean, if a guy like that can get let go, I think that kind of has to really beg the question, what's going on with Jeff Blashill at this point? Like, is Detroit keeping him for the rest of the season? Are they going to wait to sign somebody in the off season? Are they just going to let him go right now and let somebody like uh, Bilesman take over for the rest of the season? Like, what do you guys think Detroit does at this point? Because when you see somebody like Laviolette who has had playoff success get let go, that kind of has to at least put a fire underneath you when you're looking outside at that situation. I mean, yeah, what I I was kind of driving today, and I was thinking about the situation just with Laviolette being as good as he was. And if I'm Iserman, I we all know Blashill's job is as good as gone once his season's over, if not before. Why do you continue to drag out this process? Like the season's a wash. You're going to be one of the worst teams in the league. And a guy like Peter Laviolette is, he's going to be getting job offers. He's probably getting job offers right now. I'm Irishman. I want to get out ahead of things. Fire Blashill. Let him start planning for his future because he's, he's done. Like his job is done in Detroit. And yeah, Peter Laviolette's a great coach who has, proven history so i i this is a guy that the red wing should be all over yeah i have the same opinion where if lavulet's on the market uh why wait till the off season because if you wait till the off season he might get snatched up by another team or he'll have other offers and whatnot i think you fire blashel now and, and get on lavulet as fast <sighs> as possible yeah and that's my fear is that eiserman i don't think eiserman wants to keep Blashill, I think we've decided that. But I'm wondering if Laviolette's the guy he even wants. Because if he is, you would have seen Blashill out the door by this weekend, I would think. Yeah, but I mean, this is not something that was really known to plan. I mean, Laviolette, you would think he'd be the coach long-term in Nashville, and then the season was just a disaster so far for the Preds. And yeah. this is this is kind of like a nice curveball. I mean, he's going to be the top. I, I know Babcock's out there. He's not the top coach anymore. But Laviolette, I believe he is the number one coaching priority probably for a majority of the teams. Like if there was an option right now, I guarantee you half the NHL would fire their coaches to get Peter Laviolette. Yeah. Uh, um, another pretty decent piece of news. Um, Some rumors coming about that Andreas Athanasi is going to get traded from Detroit this offseason. Um, just looking at Detroit's roster – do you think that this is actually something that happens, or do you think that the Red Wings try to hold on to him, re-sign him, and then trade him? Because, I mean, I like Andreas Athanasiu a lot. His explosiveness is a blast to watch on the ice, and he's just a really fun player. But at the end of the day, he's having a terrible season this season, and... I think there are two camps that people are in. Either this is a bad season for him, and next season he'll do better, and you might regret trading him either for however cheap you traded him for, or this is what he's going to be. Last season, where he got the 30 goals, that was an outlier, and this is what he will be. What camp would you guys say that you're in for this uh, in regards to him and just this trade talk in general? I... uh I think we trade him at the deadline um, for a team that wants to take a chance with someone that's speedy and just might be in a rut, and we get something out of him, and it makes room for the JFV uh, next year. Yeah, I mean, 
that here's your issue though with trying to move him right now is his numbers don't look good and he's had injury problems so you're not going to get as much as you want for him so I, that's that's the biggest issue i mean because he it, when he's on when he's like on his streak and when he's playing good he's worth quite a bit but you're not going to get the maximum amount of return for andreas anthem see at this moment that is true yeah i would err on the side of being patient because as nick was saying his value is down this year and so i think i mean it could happen where you do get a, a an offer that is fair value in which case you may as well pull the trigger but what's probably going to happen is you're going to be getting a lot of low ball offers and i don't think you should sell low i think you should re-sign him and you know see if he can have a bounce back year next year um and hopefully improve his stock like i remember uh like last season people were talking about trading Brandon Saad yep. and had Chicago done that it would have been trading Brandon Saad at lower value however this season people are talking about trading Brandon Saad his value is a lot higher this year than it was last year so they could get a better return now I think at the NSU a, a similar thing where they should just be patient uh, unless of course they can get a good offer but otherwise I would I would wait it out and let me to add on to that. I I honestly don't think Anthony Sioux is going to be part of their long term plans at all. Like I way, agree with that. The way yeah. he's been in these rumors, like, but yeah, it's worth being patient because you got maybe another year or two left in this rebuild. So let him catch fire, let him get confident again, and then you make a move and get the most out of him. I think his holdout a couple of years ago really damaged his favor by the fans mm-hmm. too. Yeah, I think you got a pretty valid point there, David. Like, it seems like Detroit has been pretty quick about locking up the core pieces that they want to lock up. I mean, you look at, you know, the Dylan Larkin signing, that really wasn't a headache for anybody involved. I mean, it happened pretty quickly. Uh, the Anthony Mantha signing, I guess you could say there was a little bit of a holdout, but it wasn't terrible. Like, it didn't last through this like, part of the season like Athens just did. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with Tyler Bertuzzi, but I mean, just based on what we've seen from him, I'm pretty sure Eiserman wants to keep him around. He's the like epitome of the Red Wings. You have to earn it model. I don't know if Athanasiu sticks around or not. And it's like you said, I don't know if maybe he's in fans favor anymore. He is an RFA, correct? I believe yeah, he's an RFA. He's an RFA coming this summer. And he has what? One year left until he's a UFA. Yeah, he has. Yeah, it'd be after this. If say, if you sign a one-year contract, it yeah. would be UFA. Like I think, I think you give him a one-year deal, a one-year extension that would take him straight to unrestricted free agency. You give him a year to try and bounce back, and then you sell him as a rental at at next year's deadline. Yeah, and you see what rental players go for this year. Look at what Taylor Hall got, and I mean that's without. I mean, I know he's not Taylor Hall, but still, he, that's a hell of a return for. If Anton Sioux heats up, you get something like the return t- that Taylor Hall got for, with uh, New Jersey. It's, it's going to be a big step in that rebuild. I mean, now, it, let's say Detroit ends up trading Anthony Sioux. Who, who do you guys think he goes to? Because, I mean, I looked at the situation. I actually think the Edmonton Oilers might be a good spot for him. Mm-hmm. He can keep up with McDavid on the wing. Let's dry saddle move to second line center. So they keep scoring in their top line. They get better center depth. 
Like, I just, I think Edmonton makes a lot of sense for him. And I mean, like maybe Detroit trades him to Edmonton. We pick up Jesse Pugliarvi as this sort of uh, salvage project. Like, (laughs) but like maybe they do because I mean, Eisman has been doing these sort of salvage projects this season. I mean, Robbie Fabry, he did one with, and that's been working okay. Um, I guess you could kind of say the Brendan Perlini one was that one hasn't quite worked out, but maybe yeah, that's something that Eisenman's looking at. It, mm-hmm. you, you, I think the Oilers are a very realistic option. I actually do want to talk. I know we didn't really talk about a pre-show, but when we get to the Blackhawks, Brandon Saad is also rumored to be going there. But yeah, the Oilers are an option. The Penguins are an option because they just lost Jake, lost Jake Gensel. So yeah. And, but if I'm moving them to the Oilers, I think like you try to sell high and get it. I like Evan Bouchard out of there. I think that'd be a good return for Anthony to see you. What do you think we trade for, David? If we trade to somebody like Edmonton or Pittsburgh, um, I would say like a Bouchard or Poyarvi. I think we do a we give them if we get Bouchard, that'd be nice. I'd say we trade for him and give them like a later draft pick too, because he's. He's recent. They just drafted him. He got drafted the same year Zadina got drafted. Yeah. So yeah. I would say offer th- if we if we want him, he would be a good part of our defense. I would totally trade for him and offer them like a third or fourth. Or I mean maybe even St. Louis. I there's a because I mean, they don't have Tarasenko, so there's there's a lot of options out there that like, I don't think St. Louis wants to trade with the Red Wings after the Fabry yeah, deal. That's true. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> they, they might be regretting it, but you know, All right. our draft picks this year. I just want to see what our draft picks are this year. Because I know we have quite a few. Yeah, we, we are loaded with draft picks this, this coming draft. Like, we're going to have a uh, very decent draft yeah. pool. We have, okay. I think, goes? like, if they sent Athanasiu to Edmonton, I would try and get Raphael Lavoie. I think would be a really good piece for the Wings. All right. We have two seconds. Two thirds, okay, yeah. So I would, if if we could try and get Bouchard, which I highly doubt they'll give up, I would say we give um like I'm gonna see you one of our seconds, and then, oof, because uh, he's 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 a top d- defensive draft or prospect. They're not gonna give him up for chump change, especially if Anthony Siu hasn't been performing well. Yeah, it all depends on when they decide to move on from him. True. Yeah. We can uh, move on from that one if nobody else has anything else to offer. And we can talk about the last piece of our Red Wings news. Um, Moritz Sider just putting up fantastic performance at the World Juniors this past couple weeks. Like He played for Team Germany. He was on the ice for, what was it, one even strength goal against? Yeah, that's what uh, we talked about last week, Nick and I. Yeah, played heavy minutes. Like, looking at this last year's draft in retrospect you guys like would you guys still have taken bowen byram as high over Mort cider do you think that maybe they should have been reversed at this point because i haven't really heard much noise about bowen byram since he's been drafted i I would still take bowen byram over cider but cider definitely closed the gap for sure yeah i would still take byram because i think there's more upside with him it is true that he's having a pretty disappointing season this year. I think a lot of that has to do with him not being as satisfied. I, I think he 
probably expected to be in the NHL this year. And so I think being sent back to juniors kind of, I don't want to say made him mad, but I don't think he feels like he should be there anymore. Um, so I think he's been kind of coasting a bit this season and hasn't been putting in the effort. Um, but I still think his upside is higher. So I was just curious about, um, does anybody have anything else on the wings front before we move over to the Blackhawks side? Because there's a little bit to talk about for the Hawks this week. Well, yeah, I'm ready to move to the Hawks. Mort Sider's a beast. <laughs> so let's go ahead and talk about the Blackhawks for a second. Um, so aside from the game that they had versus Detroit, which we're going to talk about later, there's a couple pieces of news for us to talk about. So uh, Dylan Secure getting his first NHL goal against the Red Wings. Um Nick, go ahead and just walk us through this goal because you had a better view of it than I did. Oh, yeah, by a whole, what, three rows? About four or five. <laughs> but, yeah, um, <laughs> you know, it was a nice little rebound shot. To, uh, I, I'm already drawing a blank on the whole situation. It was a nice rebound shot off Howard straight to Secure. And Secure had about uh, maybe like three and a half feet of open net. Why all the is. net in the world yeah yeah basically anything but a little bit of a sliver that jimmy howard was actually covering if, if he missed that one then yeah he would have some issues but <laughs> <laughs> it was great to see secure finally got on the score sheet uh, actually in the goal column i should say uh you know the celebration the boys were all pointing to the puck because everybody just kind of forgot about it. he's been around for what feels like 10 years now he still hasn't got his first goal so yeah, I, no, it's not. I mean, I'm, realistically, it's like 45 games it took him, but still, it was great to see him get get on finally his first goal. Uh, everybody was kind of giving him shit. Yeah, they were picking him up on the ice, like giving him knuckles in between shifts. So, yeah, congrats to Dylan Secure, and it's it's about time. So you you posted the uh, the little uh, picture on Twitter about you talking to Carlton. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, I mean it was uh it was unreal. It was uh, I, I that's my closest I ever sat ever. I mean I it, it was literally I felt like I was on the bench just because you could hear some of the conversations going on. Like after Secure scored his first goal, I was looking at I was just looking at Kane and him talking, and I read Kane's lips. It's just he just goes about damn time. So it was it was <laughs> funny. it was funny. You know they were all chirping him. So it was it was a cool experience, definitely for sure. Yeah. Kane was all of us in that moment. I mean, exactly. I mean, we've been talking about Dylan Secure for, I feel like, the last four seasons, just with, like, him being the prospect and tearing yeah. up the NCAA and then finally getting called up. And, yeah, I mean, he's he's actually looking really solid, too. He, I know a few weeks ago we said he really looked unnoticeable, but I think he's finally coming into his own. And, I mean, playing with Patrick Kane's giving him confidence, too. Another piece of, I get it's not necessarily news, but it's sort of a discussion that came up this past week. Um, we're past the halfway point of the season, so at this point, teams are starting to have to really make decisions about what's going to be kept, what's going to get moved, and then just what's going to be let go for the rest of the season. Um, Robin Leonard took a gamble on himself this season, took a little bit of a salary cut, and came to play for Chicago. And at the end of the season, he'll be due for another payday, Crawford's going to be up for a contract for you guys. What do you think that the goalie situation in Chicago looks like at the end of the season? And what do you guys think realistically happens for them in terms of a contract for these guys? Yeah, it's a tough situation because we got two really good goalies that are coming 
going to be UFAs this offseason. So I think in the end, it's going to be Leonard's job. Crawford is either going to retire or maybe sign a one-year deal elsewhere, but Leonard's going to go get the full value contract. He's not going to take a hometown discount. Elliot Friedman reported this week on 31 Thoughts that Leonard loves Chicago and he loves the situation and he's just happy to be here. So I like the sound of that. As of right now, the Blackhawks could extend Leonard because New Year's has passed. And as for like a backup next season, I I would imagine it's Kevin Lankinen or Colin Delia. Yeah, I think uh, Robin Leonard, it's a very good thing that he likes it here in Chicago. And not only is he a great player, but he is a good locker room guy. I think uh, if you watch any of his post-game interviews, he's not only entertaining, but he also tells it like it is, and he doesn't hold back. So he's a guy that I really like having around. And, of course, his play on the ice is really stellar. I think Chicago goes for term with him on the next deal. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets the full seven-year extension. Um, And then regards to Corey Crawford, I don't know what he wants to do. Um, He could retire this season. Maybe he doesn't. Um, And I don't know if they even... I mean, it's up to Crawford if he would want to explore being traded at the deadline. Um, If he wants like one... Let's say he's planning to retire. Maybe he wants a shot uh, with a playoff team or something. It's uh, Crawford is basically, I think he gets the luxury of deciding what he wants to do. I think Chicago doesn't make any moves without his permission. And he has a full no-move no clause too. So, yeah, they have to go to Corey Crawford. And But, yeah, it's going to be a, con- completely up to Crawford if he wants to finish his potential career with the Blackhawks after this season. Or, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't completely rule out Corey Crawford re-signing with Chicago, but I think for that to happen, he would have to take a big discount. He would basically have to fully accept being a backup and take yeah. backup money. Yeah, I agree with you there, Kevin. So if you guys, like, assuming Leonard's going to re-sign with Chicago, I, I want to get your guys' opinion on the two sort of contract styles that he could sign. Either he could sign a short-term that is high value or he can sign longer term i think which is a little bit lower but he's got a guaranteed pay which one do you think that leonard at this point is going to take because i mean he's basically stolen the starter role from crawford at this point in my opinion Mm -hmm. yes uh i think it's going to be long term uh all of his contracts in the past have been short term or Mm -hmm. his rookie deal and I think Leonard's finally just looking for somewhere to call home. Yeah, he was with Buffalo, the Islanders, and now Chicago, and I think he wants to finally settle somewhere. And like like we were saying, he loves the situation. So I could see a long term deal. Uh, I would say around like the seven million marker, maybe seven and a half, eight. Who do you think he signs for? Sorry, was that me or David? Yeah, who'd you say? Uh, David, what do you think Leonard signs for if he resigns? I think, like you guys are saying, he loves the team and the place, and those are two big factors for players to take a discount. But I still think he gets paid relatively well. I think it's going to be a long-term deal. I say five to six in the win range. So, Kevin, you think it's going to be around the six to seven, or you think he's going to probably try to shoot for eight? I could see like a, a seven by seven kind of deal. So basically not terribly overpriced, but also not a cheap deal. 
Uh, he and he should seek out this money. It, it, he's earned every bit of it, and he, uh, he, even though there's, he's not getting the wins he um, total that he wants right now. Uh, he's played unreal, and we uh, hit the contract we got him at right now, which is like six million, I think. It's a steal. Yeah, like right now, like what you guys have Leonard at, like that is an absolute steal for what you're getting for him right now. Um, we can go ahead and move on though to I guess the injuries that uh. The Hawks have had it recently. Uh, so, Kajula is back for the Hawks, and then uh, Dylan Strom is a day-to-day injury. Um, I haven't really kept up with the injury report for them. Uh, Kevin and Nick, why don't you guys just walk us through, I guess, sort of what went down with uh, Dylan Strom? It was an ankle injury, I believe, uh, the other night against Calgary. He left in the second period, I want to say. I don't remember it fully, but it they – they were worried that it would be week to week as when it first came out, but it's they came out today. Colton said it's day to day. So that's good news because the Blackhawks, they already are dealing with a ton of injury problems and losing a guy like Dylan Strome would definitely just hurt. And then Drake could you those coming back from quite the lengthy concussion. Basically like Strome, he's He's pretty much your guys' go-to center at this point, it seems like. I mean, it seems like every time I watch the Hawks, he's he's getting, like, big-name minutes for you guys. I mean, what do you think this means for you guys' this club for the next, you know, couple weeks, assuming he's out, you know, say a week or two weeks? I, you know, it, it's just another injury that the Blackhawks have to find a way to deal with. Um, I That would mean more Alex Nylander time because he's been healthy scratch for I think the last four games now or three games. And then he got, he was back with against Calgary. So yeah, there's got to be someone to step in for the games that Dylan Strom's going to miss, whether it be a week or two weeks, but yeah, it, it, the Blackhawks are, that, that, that's a big loss because he's been playing alongside with Debrinket and Debrinket starting to heat up and Strom starting to score and tally some assists lately. So uh, yeah, tough loss. Yeah, losing Strom is tough for the team. He was actually out earlier in the season because um, there was he was in like concussion protocol. It didn't last very long, but he was there for a bit. And the team struggled when he was gone uh, because he is a key component of the team's offense. He's always there. Even if his plays don't always result in points on the board, uh, he's always, always a, a positive factor when he's out there on the ice. So... Yeah, it's like Nick said, it's uh, yet another injury for the Hawks to deal with. So they need to figure out how to uh, rally together and, and uh, um, you know, just get past it. It's not even an injury list at this point. It's a book. Yeah, uh, There's so many damn injuries. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I think it's kind of like, I think that happened to Arizona last season. Where it was just uh, injuries piled on on top of each other. There's just there's an injury bug going around you guys. There's an injury bug going around Pittsburgh, like Pittsburgh especially. <laughs> yeah. Are you guys sure you haven't been drinking some of like that Flint water? Oh. <laughs> I mean, they might be at this point. Like, oh, I mean, can... luckily for us though, it's it hasn't been the big names. I mean, it's been Leonard and Crawford, or not Crawford, but Leonard and Strom and that, but. Knock on wood, it's not been Patrick Kane, Debrinket, Taves, Keith. So our Keith has been, but yeah. If Kane gets injured, then you just blow it up. Yeah, just just <laughs> melt in the season. 
but before we continue, Jordan, I know we we we're gonna transition, but just to, there's two more notes on the Blackhawks. I know I Kevin briefly brought it up when we were talking Anthony CU, but Brandon Saad's name has been floating around in some rumors with the two teams that are really considered are the Edmonton Oilers and the Pittsburgh Penguins. I've also Pittsburgh. seen Colorado and Buffalo thrown in there. Oh, I didn't see, but I, I didn't, I Colorado, I kind of threw under the bush just because I feel like the Blackhawks wouldn't trade in division. Yeah. But, uh, Buffalo makes sense. Uh, Pittsburgh makes sense just because it's Brandon Sod's hometown or home area, I should say. And they just lost Jake Gensel. And then Edmonton, obviously, they need another addition to their top six for a team that is on the brink. Can you imagine, though, like, let's say Pittsburgh makes a bunch of moves, this uh, move toward the deadline. Their roster comes back healthy, and then they still stay healthy. You know how dangerous that team is going to be? Yeah, we'll be, we could potentially be seeing another championship in Pittsburgh if they finally get all healthy and make some moves. So. They'll be well-rested. And they'll be healthy, yeah. But if we're trading Saad to Pittsburgh, I want Samuel playing coming back to Chicago. Yeah, I, I, in the way he's been playing this season so far, I know he's been hurt the last couple of weeks, but he, it, it's definitely going to draw a big return. And then one more addition before we move on. All right, did you have something, Jordan? I'm pretty sure like you guys could get a pretty decent return for Brandon Saad. I mean, he's he's a very unique player in the sense that he can play like a body and skill game, kind of like Anthony Mantha can. Just sort of that sort of power forward type player. Yeah, and he's also a very good two-way player too, which is very underrated in his aspect. So he's, like you said, he's a very unique player, he, and it's something you really can't teach. It's just natural, and he's he's like a blue-collar player for sure. Yeah, his defensive game is understated, kind of like Mark Stone in that in that regard. Obviously. Saad doesn't have the point production of a Mark Stone, but definitely the uh, the good two-way play. And also... You, you have something else to add? Yeah, Kirby Doc got promoted to uh, power play one. So he's on the first power play unit now. He took over Dylan Strom's spot. Coincidentally, the same game Strom got hurt. But, you know, this is, some, this is a big sign of his development, putting him on the top power play unit. It's going to increase his ice time going forward. So I'm, I'm excited to see Kirby Doc be a part of a, the, the elite power play unit with Kane, Taves, Debrinkit, and Keith. Nice. I think I've mentioned it before, but in particular with like the Red Wings and the Blackhawks, top prospects at this point, Kirby Doc and Philip Zadina are both very skilled players, and I think a lot of people tend to look at them and say, you know, they're too small, they're too small. Both of those guys are going to be very dangerous when they put on that additional 20 or 30 pounds of muscle and they're not getting like pushed off pucks anymore. Like Both of these teams have very high-end forwards in their systems to take over when their current crop ends up retiring or getting traded or what have you. Yeah, and I mean, Kirby's standing at like, what is it, 6'3", 6'4"? Like, he's... He's really tall, so once he starts packing on that muscle, he's going to be such a dangerous player to watch. Yeah, he's going to be very dangerous with the skill that he has, and then like like if he turns in this little power forward too, like get in front of the net, clean up rebounds and stuff, he's going to be insane. So once he get yeah, like you guys said, once he starts getting that muscle, look out because oh, he's going to be a problem. Um. Do you guys have anything else to add before we sort of transition to the rest of the league's news? I think that's it. 
Okay. So we'll we'll touch on some of the uh, other news around the league this week. Not a ton necessarily big news, but just uh, I guess really two things that I want to touch on this week. Uh, first, we mentioned it earlier, but the Peter Laviolette firing from the head coach position in Nashville. I'll be honest, I don't understand why Nashville did this. He's had a pretty good track record with the team constant playoff appearances a finals appearance i i can't remember if they've been bounced in the first season or versus the first uh round since he's really been there and he's made it with them like for me this almost seems like a panic move because they're having one bad season right now and i think this is a huge mistake on their end if i'm being honest i this is where i i kind of disagree with you i think you know, with the with the what David Poyer did this offseason and bringing in Matthew Shane and also other the other weapons that were already with Nashville like Johansson, uh, Philip Forsberg, and right like the decor Romanos and all them, it, it's very underwhelming. They their penalty kill is one of the worst in the league. Their power play is like 27, 27th of the league right now. So it's a very underperforming team. And you know, with the roster that they have right now, it's just they should be leading the central. And then also um, it's the, the way he's alloc- he was allocating time on ice with their, like the roster was even, he wasn't playing the stars on the ice more than like his third or fourth line. So it, that's an issue with, I think play ahead. Yeah. I slide with Nick here. And in a sense, it kind of reminds me of what Chicago did where they had Quenville who, you know, was a highly successful coach um, but they still fired him because things were getting stale and they needed to shake things up. And I think that's what Nashville's trying to do. I mean, I'm looking at the Peter Lavila era and his first season, he took him to the playoffs and they lost the first round. Um, his second season, they made it to the second round for the first time. Um, or not the first time. It was the their first seven game series and seven game series win. Uh, they lost to the Sharks, who went on to win the conference previously. Sorry, they lost to the Blackhawks the season before, who went on to win the Cup. Um, then 2016-17, they finished eighth place in the division, so they were the lowest seed, and they went all the way to the Stanley Cup before losing to the Penguins. Um, and then 2018, they won the President's Trophy, where they then lost in the first round of the playoffs because the President's Trophy is bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like he's not done terrible for them. So I'm on the fence that it's a panic fire, that they were struggling and they fired him. I mean, I think also loved it, or not loved it, uh, David Poyle. He he was very high on John Hines, and I think that was his what he wanted him. Uh, he goes back with when with, he was with Ray Shero, so I think that he was actually really interested in John Hines and likes his and has a history with him. So once he seen that, you know, when the first sign of struggle with Laviette, Laviette uh, this was an easy decision for him to make. But it's rare. I mean, I mean, I'm sure like that is an element to it. I guess it's rare though because Poyle doesn't often fire head coaches during the season. So yeah, it's a rare situation. So it really shows how high they are on John Hines. Like, I think it was you, Nick, you said, you know, there are a lot of teams in the league who would pick up LaViolette in a heartbeat if they had the chance. 
Where do you see him going this off season? Assuming a team doesn't just decide to fire their coach and hire him right on the spot, because who's like Detroit's going to have well, should, and I mean should have an opening this off season because I don't want Jeff Plaschel back as a head coach. I just that's a discussion for another time. And I mean a lot of the other teams who aren't having success right now, like I just, I don't look at any of them and say that's for sure where he would go. Yeah. I mean, I think as of right now, Detroit makes the most sense. Uh, unless, you know, the Blackhawks continue to go South. I would love to have Peter Lampionette coaching the Hawks one day, but I think he's going to get hired before then. So the the Red Wings are, is the team that makes the most sense right now. David, do you think uh, LaViolette's coming to Detroit? God, I hope so. But <laughs> Um, the pessimist in me is not hopeful for it. I think we're going to be stuck with Blaschel for some just painful, painful, painful reason. And I think it's because of the thing that the Red Wings and the Blackhawks all posted today, um, about Detroit sports. Did you guys happen to see that? I've really been on the internet much today. Um, let me find it real quick. Here it is. The 226 losses suffered by the four Detroit teams in the calendar year of 2019 are not only the most in Detroit sports history, but also the most of any city or market in the calendar year in the history of North American professional sports. So, yeah, everything hurts. <laughs> Hope I someone picks them up. Like, I would love to have LaViolette running around Detroit as our head coach. I. I saw what he did with Nashville, and yes, Detroit does not have the players that Nashville had, but I'm looking at like the systems that he ran with the players that he had. I would love to see Detroit deploy like a defensively-minded game and just utilize the crap out of guys like Sider, Heronic, Chalowski if he develops, and anybody else that we have the chance to maybe pick up in this offseason. Like I, I would love to see that so much. The other major piece of news around the uh, league, I mean, I guess it's not technically the NHL, but the World Juniors ended up uh, wrapping up this week. Uh, Canada taking home the win, so good on them. Um, just what were you guys' initial uh, thoughts on the tournament, and who are your guys' standouts in particular? Oh, I mean, surprise, surprise, Canada wins again, you know. Jeez, <laughs> uh, what? Yeah, I mean, they uh, did. Uh, did Barrett Hayden actually take off his helmet for the anthem, though? I, I know his no, team won it. So he, yeah, he probably took his helmet off this time because, you know, he I, wasn't crying. I bet <laughs> Canada, you know, apologized after winning to Russia and then offered them Tim Hortons. I didn't know Tim Hortons sells vodka now. Tim Hortons uh, sells vodka? I really? Not, no, no, I know. I mean, with it being Russia, though, oh, uh, oh. That's, the, that's the only stuff they drink. I was like, I didn't hear about this. I was like, Nick, did they steal our idea for Dunkin' Donuts? I'm going to hop on over to Tim's right now. Timmy Hose. Because you and I are making millions off of this idea. Yeah, I mean, I've been on the movement. I know this is a little off topic, but I've been on the movement. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts need to start selling mimosas. So, Yeah, him and I are going to open our own Dunkin' Donuts and start selling mimosas. Get a liquor license. <laughs> We'd make a killing on like, fr- like even if it was just Fridays. <laughs> but... uh. Sorry to get off topic there, but I, the, I, have, I have two standouts. You know, one was actually Barrett Hayton. He had a really good tournament. He's, I think he scored the game tying goal for Canada in the gold medal game. And that was coming off an injury with all the stuff that was going around too, with the drama, not taking off the helmet and being a sore loser. He had a great tournament. And then 
Canucks prospect Nils Hoglander. I liked his game out of Sweden. He really performed with uh, during the tournament. So they got an interest. The Canucks have an intriguing prospect with Nils Hoglander. David, what were your takeaways from the uh, the World Juniors, at least from what you saw? I mean, um, Canada won, like Nick said. I kind of projected them to either win or take second. Um, it was nice seeing the wing players with Sider, uh, McIsaac, and uh, Valeno play and see how they've been doing. I liked seeing Valeno get suspended for a game for a headbutt. <laughs> but uh, Sider really wowed me and I'm really excited to see him play. I think we'll see him in the winged wheel at some point this season towards the end of the season. Uh, but yeah. Any particular standouts, Kevin? For me? Um, well, my biggest thing is I just want to say I was very disappointed in team Canada for not giving Dawson Mercer much ice time. He hardly played in the tournament and I thought he He's one of my favorite prospects in this upcoming draft, and I think he was very underutilized by the team. In the short amount of minutes he did have, he played very well. But uh, regardless, Canada won, so I guess it doesn't matter. Um, and, you know, on the topic of Team Canada, uh, Lafreniere, of course, had a really great tournament. He was really good. For the Americans, I thought a standout was Shane Pinto. I thought had a really great tournament. Um, and then... Uh, a uh, hot topic player for Team Germany was Tim Stutzel. I think uh, garnered a lot of attention during the tournament, and rightfully so. My standout for the tournament probably had to be Trevor Zegers. I think he looked very good, particularly. I think he had two or three of these like weird spinorama backhand blind passes, which just showed off just a really flashy playmaking style game, which I thought was really impressive. Big name being talked about bust wise though is Cole Caulfield. I mean, where was he this tournament? It was he was very under under underwhelming. I don't think everybody was expecting a big uh, performance from him. I did like Michael Tepley's game, the Blackhawks prospect. I think they drafted him fourth round this past offseason. He only had five assists, but it's something intriguing to play at this big level with the Czech Republic. So uh, you know, it'd be nice to see him in the goal Kyle, but he he's looking he looked good. The Czechs really didn't do that bad at this tournament, though, all things considered. I mean, Germany didn't really either. I mean, yeah, I mean, Germany's got some good young players coming up. You know, Moritz Sider last year drafted, and then this year Tim Stutzel's going to go high. They've got uh, 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 Reichel, who, if I'm pronouncing that right, um, who should go high, and then also uh, um, John Jason Paterka, also. So they've got some good prospects coming up and it's nice to see that uh the sport of hockey is really growing in germany uh he he was kind of an interesting talking point at this tournament but uh did you guys watch much of uh, vasil Podkolzin? uh when i watched russia i really he didn't really look like that i mean there was a lot of concern of his game he didn't really look like that top like when he was projected to go top three last year he didn't look like that standout player there's concerns of his consistency and you know he's he's got all the skill in the world, but putting putting those things together to be a complete player, it looks like the biggest concern. He was pretty much like the big name for Russia that everybody had like on their targets to look at. Like, hey, you know, like let's evaluate where he's at post draft now that he's like a year removed. I thought he looked good, but there just something was lackluster about him this tournament. I thought like 
he looked like he had so many chances where he was close, but he just could not get that little extra bit to really just take games over. I mean, that's not unique to this tournament. I think he's always been kind of like that, which is why I was not high on, on pod calls and going into the draft. He was not ranked in my top 20. Um, I just, he's, to me, he's always been that way as a player. He doesn't have much of a finishing ability and I kind of view him as a one trick pony. Uh, he's one of those players that he had all the raw skills, but you know, it, it's the fact of putting it all together. And I don't think he's going to be able to do that. Anybody else have anything else they want to add while we're talking about the world juniors before we start moving on to the flashbacks and flash forwards for this week? I don't know. I think we're good. Nope. All right, so I think this pretty much going to wrap our talk of the uh, World Juniors and just sort of what happened. Um, at this point in the episode, we're going to do what we call the flashback and the flash forward. Basically, we're going to recap the week that was and the week that's going to be for the Blackhawks and the Red Wings. Um, this week is kind of going to be a unique one. Normally, in the flashback, we talk about the week that was, we recap all the games. But this week, because the Red Wings and the Blackhawks played each other, and unfortunately now it only happens twice a year because reasons <laughs> it's it's gonna be an interesting one and i really want to do a deep dive on that game in particular so we started the seat or we started this episode talking about the wings so let's go ahead and i guess just do our flashback of the hawks first so nick did and uh david did you guys talk about the canucks and blackhawks game last week i think you guys did because you recorded friday correct i know we recorded we thursday did you record was... thursday yeah we're thursday you're recording uh, during the game. So on Thursday, the Blackhawks played against the Vancouver Canucks and lost 5-7. to seven. On, Sunday, wow, they played wow, West. on Sunday, they played against the Detroit Red Wings and won 4-2. And then on Tuesday, they played against the Calgary Flames and lost 2-1. So let's go and ahead and just... They're currently losing 3 to nothing to Nashville. Right now, they're losing 3 nothing to Nashville. But don't forget, I mean, Vegas blew a four-goal four lead against uh, the San Jose Sharks, so anything can happen. And the Cleveland Indians blew a 3-1 game lead to the Cubbies. <laughs> um, but let's just talk about the, the first game. The Hawks and the Canucks, 5-7 loss. Just all sorts of offense going off on this game. What happened? Because this, this almost looks like a <laughs> minor a weird league one. scoring game. Yeah. It was, yeah, I mean, it was. It was just, uh, it was all offensive firepower at the most. And, you know, the Hawks were in it the whole game. It was just uh, the empty netter at the end made it look like a larger lead than it was. But it was a close-fought game. Just uh, Robin Leonard, that's, he took two pucks off the neck, and then he had a knee injury. And uh, Yeah, he was I, playing through the game hurt. Yeah. I mean, I think he took the first puck off the neck in, like, the second period. So, uh, the really one thing, one big standout thing uh, that I hated during that game was the Blackhawks were on a power play with about there was they went on the power play with like two minutes and thirty seconds, and Jeremy Carlton did not pull Robin Leonard until there was fifty six seconds left in the game, and that kind of pissed me off just because I I, I mean I know I'm kind of quick to jump on Jeremy Carlton, but it was a terrible decision to wait until fifty six seconds left in the game to pull. Robin Leonard rather than get the six uh, six on four situation. So that was my big standout of the game. To me, when I saw the score, like the Blackhawks, I'm like, oh, he scored five goals. Like any team that scores five goals in a hockey game, you think, man, they dominated. They won. But then you see the other team scoring. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Seven to five. 
But it was a high-powered game from both teams. Both teams' defenses didn't really show up. This is kind of a weird one because, like, the Hawks and the Canucks were basically trading goals almost all night. Like, I remember it was tied off. What was it? It was 5-5 in the third, correct, Nick? Because I remember me and you were actually texting back and forth about this game. Yeah, it was 5-5. Kane tied it up late in the third, I believe, with a uh, five-hole goal on Markstrom. So, yeah. Just kind of a weird one. Um, The next one, the Hawks and the Wings, we'll talk about that one later and go in more depth. And then on Tuesday, the Hawks lost to the Calgary Flames 2-1. I didn't get to see much of this game. Uh, Kevin or Nick, did one of you guys watch it? I was not able to watch the game. Yeah, uh, hand up too. I wasn't able to watch it. I was kind of. I actually went to go see Uncut Gems and start. Hey, that was yeah. great. Yeah, it was a great, it was a great movie. Uh, I was pre gaming for my birthday, which was yesterday, and so yeah, I was. Uh, you know, I was kind of under the influence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one, I look at the stat sheet for this game, and it doesn't really look like much of a blowout. I mean, Crawford Crawford posted, what was it, a 9-2 save percentage on this guy, game? So it's not a bad stat by any means. I think it more just speaks to Cam Tail, but I mean, 31 saves. I mean, this is a very <clears throat> close game. Flames are, what, what are they? Are they uh, fourth in the Pacific? Yeah, I believe they're fourth still, yes. It's not that the Calgary Flames are a terrible team. They're not amazing, but they're not terrible. I mean, the fact that the Hawks hung with them in the game that close, I mean, that's that's a pretty good sign for you guys. I think it's just, you know, it goes to our offensive inconsistencies. Like some nights they put up five goals, six goals, and then you have a game like that. I mean, like you, like you said, the Flames aren't a terrible team. They're actually a pretty good team. But you got to get more goal. You got to get more than one goal out of your this offense. So, uh, I mean, losing Dylan Strom did hurt during that game. So I, I don't, like I said, I didn't watch it, but that could be a big contribution. So this one you want to I mean, get. I guess more we than can goal. kind of talk about this game that's going on right now. The Predators are up three nothing over the Blackhawks. Um, Rene's faced ten shots, and Crawford's faced twelve. So I'm not sure. I'm not looking to see if their power play goals or not because Google's not showing that right now, but. It seems like the Predators have just kind of had your guys' number the past couple of years. I mean, they had you guys in the playoffs. Last time they Please met you guys. Please don't remind us. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, the last time you guys met, you guys won. But then the time before was just, it was a bloodbath. It just, it seems like this team has been your kryptonite the past couple of years. Yeah, I mean, they just overpower us completely. They're faster, they're stronger. They have a better defense, and uh, I think the only advantage we have in them is goaltending. But, you know, and you can't get past their defense. Obviously, your goal is going to let in a couple. So, yeah, that's our biggest issue. They just, they're just they just a completely better team from back to front. So nothing we could really do about it. Just try to take the few wins that we can against them. I mean, the fact that the Black – the one, one just one small thing. The fact that the Blackhawks are – Having 1980s night tonight on a team that would join the league in 1998 is kind of uh, poor marketing, but uh, yeah. So kudos to the Blackhawks for uh, somehow messing that up. Uh, it, that's kind of funny to me. They should have had it against somebody in the 80s. I mean, it's why would you do that? Have an 80s night, but it's versus a 90s team. Um, yeah, just uh, that's that's just the Blackhawks. I mean, things don't make sense, kind of like this season. So they're just gonna ride that. Uh, 
theme out for the rest of the year, whether it be uh, games played or marketing tactics. So, hey, so be it. <laughs> um, we'll talk about the Wings past week a little bit right now. Um, they ended up losing on Friday to the Dallas Stars 4-1. Uh, they lost to the Blackhawks 2-4 on Sunday. And then they beat the Montreal Canadiens 4-3 on Tuesday. So basically, it's a two-loss, one-win. Teams, I guess, I mentioned it earlier, when the third and fourth lines are actually contributing, these are close games. Um, I watched the Stars one. I don't understand, really, I guess, what's going on with this team. It's inconsistencies everywhere, like... It's either everything clicks or nothing clicks at all. Like, would you agree with that, David? Yeah. Um, there's nights when, like, we're on and we look like the Red Wings of the past where we can really control the game. And then there's most nights where we just are terrible and our record shows it. The game versus the Hawks, we're going to talk about that one a little bit more in depth. And then the final game that they had of the week versus the Canadians, they won this one four three. Uh, Zadina getting the game winner goal. This looks like one of the best games that the Wings have had all season. The third and fourth lines contributed offense. The defense played competently. The neutral zone play was fine. And like Bernier was not amazing, but he was he was a serviceable backup. Like yeah. I actually thought this was one of Detroit's better games this season. Yeah, and I mean, we came back from behind twice, first being down 2 nothing, then down 3-2 to two in the third period. So it was nice to see this team kind of keep fighting. Like when we went down 2 nothing, I was like, well, there's another loss. So I just was like, okay, cool. And then Nielsen scored, and then Fabry scored. And I'm like, oh, man, Fabry tied it up. You know it's a game of Fabry scoring. <laughs> And then they went, they scored again, and I'm like, well, that might seal it. And then Nielsen scored another, and I was like, ooh, what are we going to have here? And then Zadina finishing it off. That was the icing on the cake. Him filling that pet, that, ah, filling that net with the puck, like he said he was going to do. Yeah, I was just going to say that did he you fulfilled the, his uh, promise. The post game interview that they had with him, where no, uh, they, perf- like, they purposely tried to goad him into a question about that. They're like, so, Zadina, you got to play against Montreal tonight. I guess you sort of filled their net with pucks, right? <laughs> like, that, I think that was kind of just react? like... He, he gave the typical, I guess, correct, polite answer. Like, I don't know. I would have liked him to have had a little bit of edge on him when he would have responded to it. I think that would have been pretty funny. I mean, we talked about it earlier. He's getting his confidence... He should have just said, yep, that's one of many. Pretty funny one to uh, give a reply back. Let's go ahead and talk about the Wings and the Hawks game, though, because that was, I think, probably the big game for both of our clubs this week. It's a rivalry game. It's both teams that this podcast covers. So, Nick, me and you were actually at this game, and we had an in-person meetup, actually, which is kind of cool. We met for the first time ever in person at this game. Yeah, it was a pleasure meeting you, man. And, uh, you know, I'm glad this podcast brought us together because uh, it, it was nice to meet up. And actually, uh, you know, we basically covered this right after. And so we did a little podcast, but without recording. <laughs> so if you, uh, if you end up coming up to the game in Detroit that they play against each other, I'll have the day off work. So 
we should definitely do like some sort of pre uh pre podcast content for it yeah absolutely um, i'd be down but this game i thought was an interesting one i mean dylan secure got his first nhl goal uh philip sedina had just that beautiful snipe adam boquist had the really nice play where he just skated through the, uh, the zone and got just a nice shot off. Luke Glendenny had that weird <clears> rebound. <throat> like, this is just an odd game for me. And I thought it was actually one of the better games this season that I've watched in person. Um, what were your takeaways from the game, Nick? Well, if we're going period by period, I mean, we met up after the first period and uh, I told you I was nervous. I'm like, this is like, this is going to be a bad night. I was nervous. I, <laughs> I was like, I, I told you, I'm like, this is embarrassing. Like we're, we got completely dominated by the Red Wings. The first period, the team just looked pissed off. I mean, Taze looked rattled after every shift he took, he was slamming his stick. Um, and then the second period, they woke up Dylan, the Dylan's Dylan squared. Strom had a nice little wrist shot. He got a pass from to break it, skated through the slot patiently and fired a short side on him. On Jimmy Howard, and then obviously the secure rebound. But yeah, that Boquist goal was a thing of beauty in the third. Uh, just or no, that was the second as well. Was that the second or third? It was the second you guys got that one? Because oh, I yeah, remember you I, guys tied it up into the second. And we went into the third tied. Okay, so yeah, the the, the Boquist goal was in the third because uh, that was the that's that was the go ahead goal, the game winning goal in the end. But yeah, it was a thing of beauty. The confidence on Boquist just. Uh, he had a nice little move to escape a defender at the blue line and then just buried that thing. So uh, a good game, yeah, a game I was nervous about. I was, it was, it was, uh, oh, that's really all I had to say. I mean, it was a good game, but yeah, it's one of the games I thought the Blackhawks would just easily win, but it's a win, a win's a win. The Hawks power play. I uh, like, I'll just say it, man. Like your guys' first power play, you guys just threw that one away. I remember watching it, and you guys had like it, it had to have been eight passes back and forth, just cycling the perimeter, waiting for a shot. Like I didn't understand like you guys' power play, why you were cycling so much. I mean, you had what was it? You had Kane sitting on the back. I can't remember who was sitting opposite him at the uh, the blue line, but like it almost looked like nobody knew what was going on on that power play. Kevin will defend me here. That's kind of the mantra of the Blackhawks power play the last few seasons. They don't shoot enough. They kind of just look for the perfect shot. And, you know, when you get a five on four, I know you want to set up a play and set up an open lane or get a wide open shot, but you got to put the puck on that. Detroit's power plays, I thought, looked okay. Um, the Zadina goal was absolutely beautiful. I mean, oh, yeah. everything from the shot placement to how his head was looking to the fact that he held the puck in a manner where if he wanted to give a go-away pass to somebody else opposite side, he could have done it. But other than that, I didn't really think that their chances on the power play looked that great. That was pretty much the only part of their power play that I thought really looked like it had like poise to it. Um, where did you think that you guys won the game at? Because I thought you guys completely won it in the offensive zone. Like You guys seemed to control that much better than Detroit did. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the time on attack was a key, a crucial part. I mean, after the first period, they made their adjustments and it looked, they looked more uh, con- competent. Like, they were entering the zone fine. Like, the first period, they struggled to enter the zone. They were making their passes. They were making reads. And 
actually finding the back of the net. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they had a couple chances in the first, uh, that puck that rolled goal line. Um, but, yeah, I think the offensive zone is easily where the Hawks won it because, uh, you know, their defense looked eh. Crawford had to make a few desperation saves. So, yeah, it was a, I would agree with you there, Jordan, with the offensive zone win. And it's kind of weird, right? Because like you guys can, like you guys obviously just covered the offense zone perfect. I thought like Detroit actually won the neutral zone this game, though. Like, and it at least in the first period it looked that way. I mean, you guys had a pretty difficult time breaking it out of your zone. Like Detroit was constantly blocking passing lanes, causing turnovers. Like, like you said, like I actually thought you guys might have lost that game after the first period. It was looking that way. It was definitely looking that way. Uh, and if they would have lost that game, I probably would have hopped over the glass and started beating the fuck out of Jeremy Colleton. God damn, that would have been great publicity for our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, David, Kevin, what about you guys? What did you see? I actually was not able to catch the game. I watched highlights of it because uh, we have streaming, and when I wanted to turn it on, we only have three um, streams at once. And my wife and my in-laws were watching three separate things. So I was like, crap. <laughs> um, but I was able to catch some of it before that happened. Um, Zadina's goal was a thing of beauty. I'm really excited for him. Um, but the Blackhawks are a team that even when you're down, you keep fighting. And we are a team that have had st- struggles this year, especially with keeping our foot on the gas. Um so you guys were able to kind of jump us. I think the biggest takeaway in this game, though, was uh, Jordan beat the United Center security. And I did. It was beautiful. Jordan, uh, Jordan you, you had tickets in the 300 level, right? So I bought tickets in the 300 level, row 15. And I was kind of sad because like I, like I don't mind sitting in the 300 level. For me, when I go to a hockey game, I like to be close, but I love being able to see the whole ice and watching the play develop. And I I think it was you, you're like, hey, we got some seats in row eight that are available that haven't sold yet. So, like, I snuck down during warm-ups, and, like, I snuck into the row where there's, like, five or six seats open, and there were these two guys next to me, and I'm like, all right, level with me, fellas. Have these, are like, do these seats belong to anybody? And they both sort of shrugged. So I'm like, all right, screw it. I'm sitting down then. And if somebody comes up and they're saying, hey, you're in my seats, I was going to say, yes, I am, sir, and get up and go. But nobody ended up coming down, which was kind of cool. So I got to sit in, like, the eighth row <laughs> right Dang. behind the uh, the exit for the uh, the team's and watch from there, which was pretty awesome. I've never sat that close to a game before. And, the, and I got to sit to it at this game in particular between, like, my two favorite teams. That was just icing on the cake for me. Yeah, I mean, in the end, it was just an unreal experience. Like uh, like we said earlier, Jordan was about four rows back from me. I was row three. It was technical. But the first two rows were literally taken up by the Blackhawks bench. So... I was on the glass right behind the Blackhawks bench. It, uh, it was the closest I ever sat to. And, yeah, it was an unreal experience just because, I, you know, I was seeing all the stuff, like, behind the scenes. And, like, I mean, hats off to the equipment manager. Like, holy fuck, they have so much to do during the games. Like, there was constantly just gloves being thrown over my head to the other equipment managers and the, how quick they change the skate plates. And, yeah, it was unreal. It was a cool experience. Um, you know, seeing Carlton and 
Mark Crawford talk to the players and all that where and seeing how the players' reactions, it was it was awesome. So you guys actually caught one of the gloves when somebody threw it up to have the equipment <laughs> manager uh, dry it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh the guy that was that we were with, uh he he one of the gloves fell in his lap. I think it was Duncan Keith's glove. And the equipment manager's like, Yeah, can I have that? And and uh, the guy jokingly said, he was like, hey, yeah, yeah, here it is. Uh, it spilled my drink a little bit. And the guy said, I'll be right back. The equipment manager comes back, gave him a puck from the game. So it was, he got his money's worth. He got a, he got a puck in return. So, uh, I mean, I got a nice little fist bump from Dylan Strom after the game. So it was, yeah, nice. it was cool. Secure if was, that was it, Keith's glove, I legit would have held on to it. I wouldn't have cared. <laughs> what glove? What glove? I don't see a glove. What are you talking about? I brought this. Yeah, this is mine from home. I like to bring it with me. Yeah, Dylan, Dylan Secure uh, kind of uh, divvied me. You know, he got his first goal. Went out for a little fist bump. I know I'm 23. I don't really care. Just walks right past. I'm like, all right, you got your Oh, he's goal. too big for you now. Yeah, he's a big shot. He got his first. I mean, I understand. He's probably on cloud nine. Gets to go to the locker room with the boys. Get everything off his back. So, But, yeah, it was a very cool experience. Um, had about 15 drinks between uh, these uh, cherry <laughs> these cherry fucking crown royal drinks i was drinking all night and uh all the beers so yeah I, it, by the end of the game i i was incoherent like i showed up and i obviously was repping the wings because i mean as much as i love the hawks i won't ever root against the red wings so like the chirps at the game i think were probably one of the best parts i remember detroit went up two goals and somebody behind me shot or like i remember because i was cheering and somebody was like, go back to your dilapidated city. Yeah, uh, that, you got to love the lovely city of Chicago. They just have they have great people. That was a great experience all around, though. I, I definitely want to go next year when they play each other again if I get the chance. Absolutely. We're going to have to find a way to get a game where we could all three go one day down. Or not all three, all four. I'm an idiot. I wasn't including myself. Where all four of us can attend a game, it'd be cool. That would be an awesome time. I'm, I'm not sure who we'd go see, but... I call it senators. We'll go to Canada. <laughs> oh, no, Everybody so just gets plane tickets up there. Anything but the senators. We could just watch like a. Tr- we could uh. We could light a dumpster outside the arena on fire, slap a senator sticker on the side, and then we'll cook like some meal off of it, and then we can actually say this is the Ottawa Senators. It's a real yeah, dumpster basically. fire. And uh, Hawks are only down three to one now. Kublik scores another goal, so. He's also uh, – oh, we forgot to do player of the week. I was going to do that after the game was done. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I think we but could no. – Let's go ahead and do that. Let's player do... of the week and just do player of the mid, mid-year, I think. Let's do that then. We'll do player of the week, and then we'll do player of the mid-season for each team. So we're already talking about uh, this game. I guess I'll go first. Um, my player for the week for the Red Wings would be Philip Zadina. Um Two goals, a power play goal, decisions even away from the puck when he wasn't on the score. She were very good, and he's taking great steps forward. So I really liked what I saw out of him this week. Mine is also Zadina. Um, I think he's really starting to get comfortable and fall into his own. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't go back to the Griffins the rest of the season either. At this point, there's no reason for him to. like. He's showing that he can keep up with NHL competition and season when he has a real off season to bulk up and it's harder for him to get pushed off the boards i'm not going to be surprised if i see him playing second line consistently maybe even get like stints on the top line fairly regularly mm-hmm. 
Uh, Kevin and Nick, who are your guys' players of the week? You can go ahead. I am going to give... Oh, do you want to go first, Nick? Oh, uh, you can start it. Okay, uh, I'll give a shout-out to Adam Bokvist because uh, he's starting to look good uh, back there. I mean, he's been looking good um, since, since he got called up, I think, but now the, the points are starting to come, and I think because of it, he's uh, a lot more confident out there now. I agree. I mean, Boquist is looking very confident, uh, and with the injuries lately, he's played a bigger role, so I love the way Boquist has been playing. My play of the week is going to go. So is that uh, also your pick? No, I'm. I'm I'll change it up. Uh, he was going to be one of mine. I'll, I'll go Dominic Kublik. He's scored in. Uh, I think it's kind of tying into last week, though. But he scored in. It was three straight games, and I don't. He didn't score against the Wings or the Flames, but then he scored tonight. So it's like four goals in six games. So uh, he's going to be my player of the week. I thought the Boquist move in the game versus Detroit that was really impressive. I mean, that was nifty. Yeah sort of came out of nowhere too that was the weird part like it wasn't one of those plays you saw getting ready to develop it just sort of happened on the fly like i think that was probably the most impressive part about it and that's what that's what he does i mean it just kind of comes out of nowhere he, he has moves like he, he he has moves like a skilled forward and yeah he's filthy yeah it's going to be exciting once he can start doing that on a more consistent basis since the season is officially midway over at this point, um, let's just do like I guess a mid-season uh, player for each team. Um, we're, since we're already talking about the Hawks anyway, uh, Kevin, who would you guys say is the mid-season player for your team? Who's who's quote unquote been the guy? <laughs> Go ahead. I know who it is. Why are you laughing, Nick? It's obvious. <laughs> it's obvious. I mean. Gustafsson. I, I I think I think there are two players, but yes, it's Patrick Kane. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's Kane or Leonard. Well, yeah, I, Leonard's the other one. You could yeah. definitely give uh, uh, some consideration to Leonard because of such an incredible job he's been doing. But yeah, this team is not even a, an NHL caliber team without Patrick Kane. No, it's an AHL team. Patrick Kane's not on it. So, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> Patrick yeah. Kane is the player of the midseason so far for the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. So, you guys both agree on that one, basically? No no discussion yeah. at all? <laughs> nope. When you just you could just say his name. There's no discussion needed. It's like, oh, yeah. Okay. Unless you're ESPN or NBC, apparently they don't know who he is. But, right. Yeah. Points in the decade? Nah, he's definitely not a top 10 player. <laughs> Even Datsuk, who has what was it the most? Oh, he had the it? best goals per sixty averaged, I think. And he hasn't even played the entire decade. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's that's that's, that's sad. Um, do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Go first, David, because I'm I'm pretty set on my guy. All right, my guy is Dill Daddy, Dylan Larkin. Uh, I think he is a proven leader. It's only a matter of time till he has the C. He's second in team in points. He's always contributing, and he always, you know, takes the blame when we're struggling. He's not gonna kind of the kind of guy that's gonna like, you know what, uh, this player, that player. He's like, you know, we have to do better. I have to do better. So um, he's my player, mid player. I'm gonna go with uh, the the original Philip Hironic. The fact <laughs> that he basically he got called from the Griffins last season for a bit, and 
this season he is just he's taken over the top tier defense role in Detroit. He's the best defenseman in Detroit, and it's not even really close at this point. He's, I believe, all, about a half a point per game. He's always on the offensive sheet, but he's a- actually able to play defense unlike the other offensive defensemen that we have, which I'm not going to name names because polite politeness. But Got you, Mike Green. Your word's not mine. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I I really have liked Philip Peronic. He is just taken over as – the number one defenseman in Detroit. And I've loved watching him mature. The fact that we basically traded one year of Datsuk's cap space to Arizona, and that's what we got in return. What what other way can you spell a robbery than that? Like, you traded dead cap space, and you got a top pair defenseman out of the deal. There you go. I mean, if you're just going on paper, though, that it looks like a bad deal because Datsuk for Phil Peronic. But yeah, I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> in the end, yeah, it was a, a great trade. Uh, just uh, unreal talent out of, uh, on the back end of Detroit. So, Jordan, let's flip it now to your most improved player of the season. Um, most improved player of the season. Um, I mean, we were just singing his praises, but really, Philip Zadina for me, like, He's been coming into his own since he got the chance to start playing with Detroit. His first AHL season really wasn't what a lot of fans expected from him. He wasn't this 60-goal scorer that everybody thought he was going to be in the AHL. And a lot of people were starting to write him off as a bust, as stupid as that was. But he kept his nose to the grindstone, kept chugging along, started doing things right, and since he's stepped up with Detroit, even when he hasn't gotten that chance to play with top line level players, he's become a self-starter and he's starting to drive play on his own. And he's only like, he's not even 20 years old yet. For me, that is the most improved guy on this roster by far. I mean, you and I think alike. I also picked uh, Zadina. I feel like when he came in, he had a real chip on his shoulder falling from I mean not a big fall from third to six but in his mind it kind of was because he felt like he worked his butt off and everyone was projecting him as the third pick and he got overlooked by the next you know couple teams um and I think yeah a lot of people are starting to write him off as a bust as stupid as that was I'm just like really he's barely played he's still a kid give him a chance to kind of get a feel for how this game goes and yeah, he's starting to come into his own. Um, he has two goals in the last two games. Um, I have a strong feeling that he's going to add some some weight, some muscle weight, so he's harder to get pushed off the puck, which is going to be making him even more scarier. And we'll be seeing him, I think, on the score sheet a lot more often. And Nick, who are you guys' most improved players for the season for the Hawks? <clears throat> Like most improved from the start. Are we doing most improved from the start of this season to now? Most improved from the start of the season. Uh, I I honestly maybe Connor Murphy. No, wow, that but, was my pick. Yeah, I'm gonna go Connor Murphy. Uh, I think he was kind of all always underrated, no matter what. He's looked great. He's a steady, reliable defenseman for the Blackhawks, uh, and he's someone that the Blackhawks go re- go rely on and eat some minutes. So. Uh, yeah, Connor Murphy is my pick for most improved. Yeah. yeah, so Murphy was also going to be my pick as well, just because 
I mean, Murphy, I think, has been great since he got to Chicago. But now this year, I think he's, I think he's having the best year of his career um, this year. Um, so he's just a player that's been so reliable on the back end. And he's definitely one of the, the top defensemen for, for the Hawks. Does anybody else have anything else before we talk about the uh, the midseason player awards that uh, we're going to award out, like the Norris and the Vesna stuff like that? No, I think this is a good topic to kind of wrap it up. So normally at the end of the NHL season, all these awards get handed out, like, you know, the Vesna, the Norris, the Hart, the Calder. So I think it'd be kind of fun as a podcast for us to hand these awards out based on what we've seen in the midseason so far. So let's go ahead and just, I guess, do these one by one and walk through them. So let's go ahead and start with the Norris Trophy. Uh, the Norris Trophy is awarded to the best defenseman in the league. And it's sometimes it's awarded based on point totals. Sometimes it's awarded based on actual defensive game. It's kind of subjective in that manner. Um who would you say has earned the Norris so far this halfway point through the season? Who do you want to start with? Trophy. Who who do you think is the uh who if the season ended right now would win the Norris trophy? Um, I'd give it to John Carlson. Um I think his stats have been phenomenal for a defenseman. Um offensively especially, like I think uh where was he on the list? He's one. Is he? Oh, I meant like defensively, yes, but like in terms of like assists for everybody, he's number four at forty-one assists. So he's getting himself involved um, immensely on the offensive front. So, in my opinion, I think it would go to him. And yeah, yeah I'm on the same boat as David. I have John Carlson as my North trophy winner halfway through the season he's on pace for 98 points right now so uh that's just ridiculous out of a d-man and there's really no no d-man better than him right now yeah i think john carlson boat pardon oh uh, yeah so i was just gonna say like i think john carlson is probably the pick for norris like if the season ended right now they would give it to him but my guy is actually Roman Yossi. I think he's having a career year this season. And um, he doesn't have to but I think he's just a great player. So I would actually like Yossi. Yeah. Um, I like Yossi. I like Carlson. But I think Victor Hedman is probably going to be my pick. Um, Tampa Bay stacked as ever. So, I mean, I think part of the reason why is just the fact that Hedman is just so good. Um, he's not putting up the offensive stats of John Carlson, but I just I think Victor Hedman is absolutely the guy leading it in Tampa Bay right now, and Tampa Bay is pretty darn good. Yeah, I'd yeah, say they're pretty good. Get, they're a pretty good team. They're okay. Yeah, can't can't wrong Victor Hedman. They always have trouble against the Red Wings. They have trouble. They always lose. <laughs> they have trouble. You know, wondering how what they're going to eat for dinner after they crush us. Um, next, let's go ahead and move on to the Vesna. Uh, the Vesna Trophy is awarded to the best goaltender in the league. Um, this one is a little bit more up for debate than the Norris's because, I mean, 
there's stuff to look at, like what does the team in front of them look like? What's their save percentage look like? How do they perform regularly? Um, Nick, who's your pick for the Vesna? Uh, yeah, I kind of hinted at pre-show. Uh, he's in a central division, but stacked with goalies. But I'm going to go with Connor Hallibuck. I think the Jets were one of those teams that we kind of were very indifferent about. We didn't think they were going to be that great. But Connor Hallibuck is just dragging them to victories. Looked phenomenal in that all season. Uh, and I think he's just a very obvious choice just because he's kind of what's keeping the Jets afloat just because he's been so stellar in between the pipes for Winnipeg. So he's my pick for the Norris right now. Who would you say is your, uh, your Vesnaki Oli for the season so far? Me? Yeah, you, Kevin. Oh, sorry. I was just cutting out a bit. Uh, yeah, I think my pick is going to be Ben Bishop. I know Dallas is getting some good goaltending help with both of their goalies right now, but uh, I just think Ben Bishop is having a really good season this year. He did last year as well, but... He's uh, continuing that momentum into this season. And, uh, I mean, Dallas is a team that struggled uh, a lot to start the season. Um, now they've been doing a lot better. And uh, a big reason for that is Ben Bishop. David, and who would you say is your Vesna goaltender for this season so far? Um, you know, I'm going to go wild card. I'm going to say Tristan Jerry shocks the world. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Uh, you know, taking over from Matt Murray, um, having a depleted Penguins team in front of him, and he's still putting up pretty decent numbers. I mean, yeah, he hasn't played as many games as a lot of these other guys, but if he can keep playing the way he's playing and the team comes back healthy, he'll just get better and better. So I'm going to go wild card candidate, Tristan Jerry. Um, I'm going to go with Connor Hellebuck as well. Uh, we kind of wrote Winnipeg off at the beginning of the season, just sort of like an eh team. Um, I've really liked what I've seen out of him, I believe. What is it? He's got like about a 9-2 safer percent right now, so he's not not bad by any means, and he's not playing on an absolutely stacked team, which makes it that much more impressive. Okay. Yeah, Let's completely. Let's move on to the Hart Trophy. So the Hart uh. Trophy is awarded to the player who is deemed most valuable to their team. Um, Kevin, how about you start us off with this one? Who would you say is the Hart Trophy winner this year? Uh, for me, it's Connor McDavid. Uh, not uh, not a player that gets a whole lot of recognition. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I mean, McDavid's just... What he does for Edmonton is obviously... Uh, uh, Leon Dreisaitl does a lot for that team too, but not to the extent that uh, McDavid contributes to that team. Without him, they'd be such a bottom feeder. Um, it's really incredible to watch a player like Connor McDavid, he's really the top, he's the best player in the league right now. And he continues to get better and better, which is just incredible to see. And yeah, he, he's just so important to that Oilers team. Who's your heart trophy winner? Me or David? Yeah, I cut out. Yeah, David, who'd you say is your heart trophy winner? Um, I mean, I could go with Connor McDavid too, but I'm just going to pull someone else out. Um, I'm going to pull out Nathan McKinnon. Mm-hmm. I think Nathan McKinnon um, has, you know, a great player, has to really step it up with the injuries they've had, and he's keeping Colorado really in it. I mean, they're at 54 points. They're third in their division. Um, but he's really taken this team on his back. Yeah, and I, I have the same as David. I got Nathan McKinnon as well. Uh, you know, they dealt with injuries to Miko Rotten and Gabriel Landis-Cog already this season, and he's still keeping this team afloat. 
Uh, like David said, 54 points. It's They're technically tied with the Stars, but the Stars have a game in hand. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just the Avalanche would – if they didn't have Nathan McKinnon right now, they could have been a lost cause. But he's just been phenomenal as usual year after year. So, yeah, Nathan McKinnon's my heart trophy winner. As much as it pains me to praise Boston, I'm going to go with David Pasternak. Um, Mother. <laughs> but no, he's just, he's young, he's fast, he's skilled, like, just been lights out good for Boston. And he's, he's basically the igniter of that offense. And he's young, like, yes, Boston just is quote unquote stacked, but. I've just so much liked what he's been doing for them offensively. I think he's been just through and through a fantastic player for Boston, at least at the forward side of the end. The next trophy that we're going to hand out will be the Calder Trophy. Uh, the Calder Trophy basically goes to the best rookie in the NHL. So basically it's players who are playing their first season in the NHL. That's actually something I've noticed because you're not necessarily a rookie based on your draft year, which is something important to note. Um, but with that being said, my pick's going to go with uh, Elias Pettersson. Just really been good for uh, Vancouver so far. Uh, he was, I believe... What was Pettersson's number? not eligible this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's not eligible. He was his last year's. Sorry, I'm, I'm looking at the wrong list. I thought he was a rookie for some reason. Want me to fill in? I'll go Capo Caco then. I think he's been pretty good. Um Here's the number two draft behind Jack Hughes this year. Uh, plays with, uh, was it Ryan Strom and Panarin for the uh, the New York Rangers. So he's just, he's the young forward for them. And I've really liked what I've seen out of him so far. He looks like he's going to be a true high-end winger for that team. And that's something they didn't really have until until recently. Okay, I'll go next. Um, going back to the Avalanche, I think Kale Maker. <laughs> Uh, he is the second rookie in points and he's a defenseman. So that just says a lot right there with how much he's contributed to the team as a rookie defenseman. Um, he has 23 assists and, uh, how many goals? Nine goals. So he's putting up some great numbers for a rookie defenseman. Um, so yeah, he's my rookie Calder trophy winner. I'm on the same boat again as David. Cal McCarr is my Calder. Yeah, I thought it was a no-brainer too. I mean, the only person that I would, I really had compared with him is Victor Olafson with the Buffalo Sabres, but he's now out for a while. So yeah, Cal McCarr is my runaway Calder Trophy winner. I want so badly to pick Quinn Hughes because he's one of my favorite players, uh, younger young players coming up into the league. Um, and was my favorite player of his draft year. However, Kale McCarr is just ahead of him in, in development right now. And McCarr, his, the impact he's having as a rookie is really, really impressive. So I think he's the runaway uh, Calder pick right now. I mean, it's also to note, I mean, if it wasn't for John Carlson this season, Kale McCarr could be up for the Norse too, so... Uh, yeah, he's just a phenomenal young player in the back end for Colorado. He's going to give the Chicago Blackhawks problems for a long, long time. <laughs> him and Bo- him and Bowen Byron when they're pairing, fuck. Yeah. Um, the last trophy we're going to give or do the award for is the uh, Jack Adams, which goes to the best coach in the league. Um, who wants to start off this one? Because this one I think is going to be a little bit more interesting. 
I'll start. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Rick Tockett down in Arizona. Uh, the Coyotes were kind of – they were one of those teams that I think when we did the preseason predictions that we a couple of us might have had them squeaking in the playoffs. But with the Western Conference just being as stacked as it is, it's hard to see. But, I mean, the Coyotes are second in the Pacific right now. They're technically tied with the Golden Knights for first. So uh, just the way Arizona's been playing and then they're dealing with – They've also been dealing with injuries. They're down two goalies with Ronta and Kemper hurt. But, I mean, Rick Tock is just doing a phenomenal job down there in Arizona, and uh, they're one of those teams to look out for once uh, April comes. I was I was going to pick Barry Trotz, but now I'm going to piggy bank on your Tockett pick because uh, I think that's a good one. Who are you picking, David? I mean, I could jump on the bandwagon for Tockett too, um, but I'm going to go with – uh, John Cooper from the Lightning. He's just always such an impressive coach. That team has just always been competitive, and their defense is just crazy good. And part of me really hopes that somehow Iserman can convince him to come north. <laughs> but that won't happen. It's going to be a Jeremy Colleton. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. No, I'm just joking. Uh, yeah, it's going to gonna throw you through a window. <laughs> no, my pick is going to be uh, Barry Trotz of the New York Islanders. Um, the fact that he got let go after he won the cup with Washington, I thought was a mistake. And he's got this Islanders team playing, I believe it's second right now in the Metro. Yep. Like <laughs> say what you will about the Islanders having a decent lineup. I think Barry Trotz is really getting the most out of that team right now that, that he can possibly get. And that's showing in the standings. Yeah. I like your pick with Barry Trotz. He's, uh, he's always going to be one of the best coaches in the NHL. So I can't disagree with you there. I was going to pick him, so no disagreement here. Does anybody have anything else that they would like to add to the podcast before we uh, wrap tonight's episode? Because as of right now, I'm checking Twitter. I'm not seeing any sort of like fan mail, and we didn't have any before the show. So if we don't have any fan mail, we'll have to uh, to end the episode here. As always, we'd like to thank you guys for tuning in to tonight's episode of the podcast. Uh, this is, at the end of the day, a podcast that is by fans and for fans, first and foremost. We love getting together and talking the Wings, talking the Hawks, and the NHL in general. Um, we're going to assume that you found this podcast either through SoundCloud or iTunes. So however you found the podcast, give us a like, a share, a follow, a tweet, a favorite, whatever the social media currency is of choice on the platform that you're on. Um, particularly iTunes reviews help out a ton. So if you listen to us on iTunes, please, please give us a rating on there. It really helps. Um if you ever want to contact the podcast, there are a couple ways for you to do that. You can always either find us on Twitter, and the Twitter handle is at StickBladePod. Again, that is at StickBladePod, all one word, no spaces or hyphens or anything like that. Or you can also email the podcast, and our podcast email is StickBladePodcast at gmail.com. So you can email us as well. Um, every once in a while we get fan interaction, whether it be fan mail or uh hate mail depending on where we go to source questions from but regardless of how you found us we appreciate you tuning in and listening to the podcast um and that's pretty much going to wrap the show for tonight so in the meantime you all stay safe take care of yourselves take care of each other your host jordan linscott and my co-hosts kevin Mousteau, nick lepage and david burnhouse this has been another edition of the stick blade podcast go blackhawks and go red wings